0: Good morning and Happy New Year. Welcome to this time of worship at Faith Community United Methodist Church on this first Sunday of 2022. It's good to start the year off and worship with you and and have you with us this morning. I'd invite you to find the attendance pads that are in the pews and fill those out, pass those uh, down the pew to those that are worshiping beside you this morning. Welcome to those who are worshiping with us online. We're glad that you joined us this morning as well. For those online, I'd remind you that the first Sunday of the month, we always celebrate the sacrament of Holy Communion, so uh, make sure that you grab some, some bread and some juice to be prepared to celebrate the sacrament with us. And uh, for those here in person, we are using these uh, prepackaged kits. If you uh, did not pick one up on your way in, you can just put your hand up and, and the ushers have them in the back and bring them to you. Uh, we will have ce- celebrate Holy Communion at the end of the service. We still have, uh, as you can see, some poinsettias left up here, and uh, these are no longer just for those who ordered them. They are for anybody who wants a poinsettia, so uh, if, you, if you would like to take one of these home with you, all of these need a good home, so at the end of the service today, come on up and grab a poinsettia to take home with you. Uh, all of these poinsettias are going to be leaving the building today one way or another, so make sure if you want them to have a good home, uh, take them with you after the service today. If we come to our time of offering today and you realize that you don't have your offering envelope, it may still be sitting out in the narthex there. Uh, our 2022 offering envelopes are, are on the table out in the narthex, so if you haven't picked yours up, uh, take a look at the, at the table out there and you may find your, your envelopes there. We come together this morning to worship our God, so I invite you into an attitude of worship. I invite you to stand as you are able for our call to worship.
1: Good morning, please join with me. God's face is shining on us in this new year. God's majesty and glory fills the heavens. How amazing, How amazing are, the are the works, works of, of God. God. Who, are Who are we that God, God should care for us? God calls us by name and promises to bless us. God names us as children and heirs of Christ, with Christ. We, we can, can leave behind, behind our slavery to things. things. We We can aspire aspire to spiritual spiritual. fulfillment. The God who exalted Jesus calls us to discipleship. We are being saved to do God's work in the world.
2: God God is at work in us,
1: doing doing great things. things. Our Our efforts efforts are are crowned with glory and honor. And if you would remain standing, please, for our opening hymn, O God, Our Help in Ages Past, which is number 117 in your United Methodist hymnal. Thank you. You may be seated. Please join with me in our opening prayer this morning. Surprising God, so often hidden from our view, yet appearing in unexpected times and places, open our eyes to your salvation. Shed your light on this worshiping community. Unite us in this time of prayer and praise that we may grow in your likeness be filled with your wisdom, and become beacons of good news to the world. Amen. Our prayer hymn this morning is, I Want to Walk as a Child of the Light, number 206 in the United Methodist hymnal.
0: Lord Jesus, we come and gather before you in this time of worship, that your light may shine upon us. Even in the darkness of this world and the darkness that so often seems to permeate our own lives, we know, Lord, that you are the light. So we turn to you to enlighten our lives, to enlighten the path before us, to remind us that you are the one who is in control. You are the one who leads the way. And so as we enter into this new year full of promise and hope, remind us, Lord, that before we make all of our plans, we need to first turn and consult your plans for us. Before we go our way in this world, we need to seek your way your path, your righteousness. May we be seeking your kingdom always in this world, in our lives, through all things. Lord, we lift up to you those who are struggling right now and who we know don't uh, necessarily have great hope for this new year. But even if they don't feel it, Lord, we know that there is hope. And so we pray for your grace to fall upon them remind them of your strength and your mercy that they may see it in a powerful way. Lord, in this time of silence, we lift up to you those that that we love and our concerns for ourselves. being with us Lord. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for sending your son to be our brother and to share with us that inheritance that comes only from you. May we find that this day and in each day that is to come and into eternity we pray in Jesus precious and holy name as we offer to you now the prayer that he teaches us to pray together. Our Father, The ushers come to wait upon us now as we present ourselves to God through the giving of our tithes and offerings. Please join me in the prayer of dedication. With joyous praise, we return to you a portion of all you have given to us. May our giving exceed the demands of the law. You have invited us to sacrifices befitting our blessings. You have asked us to care for those less privileged. What we offer in these moments is a beginning. We will ponder again your amazing grace in granting us life, in offering the child Jesus to bring us back to you, and in giving us the name Christian. Praise be to you, O God. Amen. Please be seated.
3: Standing here beside the manger Looking at this little st-
4: Jesus, or when He is with me in life's noise. If I speak, I know He'll hear me, and to know that He is near me always brings to me ten thousand joys. Ten thousand joys. To know when Jesus came into my life That God's own Son had come to bring
2: to me Tenfold!
1: scripture lesson is taken from galatians the fourth chapter verses four to seven but when the fullness of time had come god sent his son born of a woman born under the law in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we may receive adoption as children and because you are children god has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying abba father So you are no longer a slave, but a child, and if a child, then also an heir through God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.
0: The Apostle Paul does not tell the Christmas story in any of his letters, nothing about the journey to Bethlehem and no place at the inn, nothing about uh, a stable and a baby lying in a manger, nothing about angels visiting shepherds in the fields or, or a star appearing to magi in the east. All of those details of the Christmas story come only from the Gospels of Luke and Matthew. But Paul does talk about Jesus being born, the fact that Christ had... A human birth and lived a human life is essential to Paul's thinking and to Christian doctrine. In his letter to the Galatians, Paul mentions the birth of Jesus saying this, In the fullness of time, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. The details of how that birth took place were not important to Paul. What mattered to him was the why. Why was Jesus born? For what reason did he take on human flesh? What is the point of Christmas? And this is the answer to that question. So that we might receive adoption as children of God. That's a powerful image adoption. When a child is adopted into a family, that that child is given a whole new life. In a sense, it it doesn't matter where that child came from or or what she was born into. Yes, the the past will have some residual influence, a, a lingering effect, but the past no longer defines who that child is. She has become a full member of a new family. It doesn't matter that she wasn't born biologically into that family, with the adoption comes a new birth. And it's that second birth that matters from here on out. She is every bit as much a part of that new family as a biological child would be, both legally and in the hearts of her parents. She receives the very same love and affection. She is entitled to the very same inheritance as every other member of that family. The Bible tells us that in Jesus, we have been adopted by God. It really doesn't matter where we came from, or what we've been through, what we've done, or or what's been done to us. Yes, all of those things will have a residual influence, a a lingering effect, but they no longer define us. In Christ, we are given a second birth, a, a new family We are a part of God's family now, full members. In Christ, we are given all the rights and responsibilities of a child of God. As God's children, we receive all the same love and affection as Jesus does. And we are entitled to the very same inheritance, eternal life. Now, wait a minute, some may ask, isn't everyone in the world a child of God? After all, we were all given life by God. God is the father of all humankind, so why do we need to be adopted? Well, God is indeed the father of all humankind, but that in itself does not make us his heirs. What Paul is talking about here is a special relationship that makes us, makes us, worthy of the inheritance that once rightfully belonged only to Christ. Jesus is the only natural-born Son of God, and in His perfect life and faultless faithfulness, He earned the inheritance to eternal life. Jesus is the only person ever born to whom that inheritance rightfully, naturally belongs. But because of His great love for us, God has chosen to adopt us into that special family, to bless us with that special relationship, to make us full-fledged brothers and sisters of Christ so that we too can receive that very same inheritance. We don't have that status just because of our natural birth into this world. We have it because of our second birth, our adoption into the family of Christ. It is by this that our hearts cry out, Abba, Father, knowing that we are indeed children of God. It is by this that we can have the peace of Christ that passes all understanding. Not that there aren't other types of peace in this world. A person living in the natural state, and by natural state I mean according to the first birth, what the Bible calls living according to the flesh. A person going about life in the natural state, not much concerned with spiritual matters, might have a certain sense of peace, but it is a false peace, a deceptive peace. Imagine you're standing on the edge of a precipice, 10,000 feet high, looking over the edge nothing strapped to you to hold you in place, knowing that with one slip of the foot you would fall and plunge to your death. You'd be terrified, right? We all would. Any sensible person would have enough fear in them, causing them to at least move back away from the edge. But what if you were laying there in your sleep, with no idea that that's where you were? Imagine someone had placed you there in your sleep without your knowledge. You're you're just lying there in your blissful slumber right next to the edge. You wouldn't be frightened at all as long as you stayed asleep. But that doesn't mean you're not in danger. It just means that you're ignorant of the danger because you're asleep. When the Bible commands us to stay awake, this is exactly what it means. Not that you have to be literally awake all the time with your eyes taped open so that you can't sleep. It means to stay spiritually awake because just the fact that you have a superficial sense of peace does not mean that you are not in danger. It just means that you don't know what kind of danger you're in because you're asleep. Wake up. See the precipice that is before you. That condition of being spiritually asleep is a condition that we are all born into. The Bible refers to it as bondage to sin. When you are in bondage to sin, you don't realize you're in bondage to sin. You think that you're perfectly free. Free to do whatever you want. Free to do whatever makes you happy. Free to do whatever brings you peace. That sense of self-made happiness and peace Is a dream. It's a dream. Reality is that putting what you want first is slavery to sin. And as long as you are in slavery to sin, you are indeed at the top of that 10,000 foot precipice ready to fall off. This is our natural state. It is what we are all born into by our natural birth. That's what we mean by original sin. It's the condition that has hold over us whether we want to admit it or not. Perhaps even more so when we don't want to admit it, when we would rather stay asleep and enjoy the dream. Don't be fooled into thinking that I'm only talking about atheists or people of other religions or the non-religious. There are many people living under this condition of bondage to sin that that would define themselves as good Christians. They believe in God. They believe in Jesus. They may even go to church. They may even be here today. But they neither fear God nor love God. They don't recognize the high standards of holiness that God has set out in Scripture. They don't understand the demands of social justice. They aren't concerned with the requirements of personal righteousness. They're blind to the fact that the law of God extends not just to outward actions, but to every thought, every attitude. They are asleep to the fact that sin permeates their everywhere. They have no fear That doesn't mean they're safe. They have a superficial peace and happiness because they're asleep, and they have no idea what incredible danger they are truly in. So why not just leave them alone and let them stay asleep? If they're happy as they are, why not allow them to remain in peace and enjoy whatever fleeting happiness they may get from this world? Well, if you see where it is that they're sleeping... (laughs) If if you know that they are sleeping right at the top of a 10,000-foot precipice, then the answer becomes obvious, doesn't it? While while they may be peaceful and happy for the moment, that doesn't mean they're safe. In fact, they are in the gravest danger of all. If they don't wake up soon and move away from the edge, then sooner or later they're going to roll over the edge and perish. The word, the voice of the Lord cries out to those who are living in that artificial peace and that superficial happiness Of this world and says, Wake up, you who are sleeping. Wake up before you perish. This is what the law of God does for us. The law of God awakens us to our true condition. When one is awakened, then that person leaves behind that natural state and enters it into a new state, enters under the law. When one wakes up to the danger of of living for the comforts of this world, then one begins striving for the security of heaven. Paul, in our reading for today, he talks about those who are under the law. Those who live under the law have been awakened to the dangers of sin. They are striving to become servants of God. This is a state of repentance and good works and trying to please God. It's in this state that a person worries about whether or not he has done enough with his life. It's in this state that there is a genuine fear of falling short, of getting to the pearly gates and being turned away, of having one's life reviewed by God and finding out that it just doesn't measure up. And so out of this great concern, this very real fear of God's wrath, the servant of God tries harder and harder, does even more. But the harder he strives and the more he does, he finds that there just isn't anything he can do to ease that sense of fear and to gain a sense of peace. He's lost the superficial peace that he once enjoyed when he was asleep, but the peace that Christ promises is still beyond him. This is the condition that the Bible describes as living under the law. The person is living as a servant of God but not as a son or daughter of God. The person is trying to live by the requirements of the law, but finds those requirements are too much to bear. The person has been awakened to the fear of the Lord, but has yet to be filled with the love of our Savior. If this is true of you, if you have been striving after the kingdom of God but constantly finding yourself unable to find that true joy and lasting peace. If you're trying with all your might to please God, but you keep growing frustrated because you realize that you will never make yourself good enough, if you're living your life as a servant of God but finding no fulfillment in it, then I want you to know this. I want you to know this. God doesn't just want you to be his servants. God wants you to be his beloved child. It is to just such as these that the Christ child was born. Why does Paul tell us Jesus came into this world? In the fullness of time, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. Not in order to be drafted as fearful servants, but to be adopted as beloved children. And because you are children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through Christ. You are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through Christ. If you long to enter into this new state, this state of grace, this new life, a life of love and joy and peace, it is yours for the taking. Why? Why? Because God has adopted you as a full sister or brother of Christ. You don't have to make yourself better in order to make that happen. You don't have to do more in order to earn God's love. God loves you. God loves you. He always is. God has already given you his love in Jesus Christ before you were ever aware of it, before you could do anything about it. Through that gift, the birth of Jesus Christ into this world and our second birth into him, we are adopted as sons and daughters of God, full heirs of eternal life. It is Because in Christ, God has claimed us as his. A young couple, discovering that they were unable to conceive a a biological child, decided to adopt. They contacted an agency, filled out the necessary paperwork, went through all the customary interviews, background checks. One day, the good news came that there was a 10-year-old girl ready to be adopted by them. The couple proceeded to prepare a bedroom especially for her. They, they found out her likes and her favorite colors, and they decorated the bedroom and filled it with toys according to all of her tastes. When the day for the adoption came, the couple went to meet with the social worker who presented them with their new daughter. They brought her home, showed her her new room. She was overwhelmed by all that she saw, a room painted in her favorite colors, and Posters of her favorite singers all over the walls. Toys and games that she absolutely loved. But as she took it all in, it appeared to her new parents that that she wasn't very happy. In fact, she seemed troubled by the whole thing. The couple asked her if there was anything wrong with the room. She said, no, it's absolutely perfect.
2: But I don't understand.
0: What don't you understand, they asked well, you say that this is my room and that everything in it is mine, but I didn't do anything to deserve all this. What do I have to do in order to be able to stay here? Parents were somewhat taken aback by that question. You don't have to do anything for all this, they said. We're giving this to you in love. We love you. We just want you to stay here with us. Let us continue to love you. We hope that you'll grow to love us, too, and trust us. We're a family now. Everything we have is yours. So it is with God. So it is with God. In Jesus Christ, God has adopted us as his own daughters and sons. In Jesus Christ, God has brought us into his family, into his very home. In Jesus Christ, God promises to share everything with us. Everything. All of the love and joy and peace that are his to give. And he does all of this freely and of his own choosing. Not because we've earned it or or because we ever could, simply because of his amazing, overwhelming love for us. God loves you that much. Thanks be God. invite you to join with me now in the prayer of the great thanksgiving as we prepare to receive the sacrament of Holy Communion. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Before the mountains were brought forth, or or you had formed the earth from everlasting to everlasting, you alone are God. You created light out of darkness and brought forth life on the earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. You sent a star to guide wise men to where the Christ was born. And in your signs and witnesses, in every age and through all the world, you have led your people from far places to his glorious light. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread I invite you now to take the bread. The body of Christ broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of him. The cup of salvation poured out in the blood of Jesus Christ. Take and drink in remembrance of him. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we do indeed remember what you have done for us. We remember your sacrificial gift. And we celebrate that grace that you have given to us once again in the celebration of this holy mystery pray that you will continue to fill us with your Holy Spirit. Use us for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to stand as you are able, and uh, we will sing our closing hymn together, O Happy Day, which is in the hymnal number 391. In Jesus Christ, God has claimed us as his own, his sons, his daughters, full heirs of eternal life. Go rejoicing in his glory and in his grace. In the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.